Hello and welcome to the Psychomedia Podcast. I am Timothy Swan. And I am Ben Fell, and together we will be discussing the funny side of psychology. Yes, you're you're back from the north. I haven't had any angry comments in about you back being back. From the wall. <laughs> well, uh, I've seen a lot of jokes this week, either always winter but never Easter. Um, or winter is coming and coming and coming and coming and coming. And the, the one that I made was uh, winter hasn't just come, but is now lighting a cigarette and raiding your fridge. Right. OK. One that's just saying, I know that they're really hyping the Game of Thrones season three launch, but this is a bit much. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, yeah, you're either living in Narnia or in Westeros. I know which one I would pick. <laughs> that's just because you like goat legs. I think a little bit of scrawny goat legs oh, about I, all that a commoner gets to eat in Westeros, isn't it? Goat legs and thinly veiled, um, like, messianic Christian metaphors. Oh, yeah, but only both together. It's why I go and eat <laughs> at so many Jamaican restaurants. Ah, oh, the layers of that. Anyway, I, you know why people haven't been complaining about my Mancunian accent, don't you? Um, because it was perfect spot on (laughs) i think i think that you're might be might be operating under a level of delusion there i mean why did you why did you go north then (laughs) why did i go north yeah or do do you mean in terms of my accent or do you mean physically no i understand why you did the accent you did the accent because you were in the place why were you in the place once you go north you never go both (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, yeah uh, why was I in uh, Manchester because uh, I was in quotes assisting uh, Christina with her research wow so you're a research assistant prestigious yeah uh, my my jobs involved uh, sitting in the B&B watching television eating dinner and uh, using up the entirety of their internet allowance on YouTube videos <laughs> Oh, not even in uploading the contribution you sent to the show. Because, you know, sacrificing the internet contribution for the show is noble. I actually... So, like, the the evening of the first night, like, the internet died, which it had been doing periodically. But this time, when I reloaded it, a thing came up saying, you've used up your entire limit. So I managed to get through to, like, the diagnostics page and find that that limit was 25 gigabytes per month. That's quite a lot. Uh, being being from the civilized South, I'm not used to the concept of internet limits anymore. Um, oh, let's just let's just keep keep hammering home that our northern listeners are not welcome. <laughs> um, and yeah, uh, so I I felt bad about that, but I was pretty certain. Like I just watched a couple of YouTube videos on like the lowest resolution settings. So I don't think I could have conceivably used up 25 gig in the space of 12 hours. That's a lot even for me. Maybe, you, know, that... maybe you were sleep cyber loafed. <laughs> That's a could thing, be. right? Anyway, I, I do want to say um, last week my internet was also bad, although not as bad. And so I had to go to work before the thing had finished uploading and leave my dad in charge of clicking the last few buttons. I legitimately texted him. Thanks for doing that. Bracket. The fans thank you, too. Without irony. And it was about 10 minutes later I realised that I had sent that message without any sense of irony and realised that I should really hang my head in shame. <laughs> so, thinking of the fans. <laughs> Let's get some fan back. <laughs> the, uh, I, I, I don't have specific feedback this week, but I want to talk about the weird feedback and I think we should make this a semi-recurring segment on the show where we talk about the spam folder from our various things okay can we include these search terms (laughs) I no I think I've had a new person searching for pornography who's gotten onto the page (laughs) because I typed in the search term that they were looking for and it came up with some interesting looking videos I Um, would say come I would say come for the uh, pornography stay for the psychology but that could be misinterpreted yeah it, it's it, it's it's a lie for one thing but i am distressed with australians and now russians searching for adult content and there is nothing adult about this show <laughs> it is entirely childish what have Any- you found in the spam folder ben so this is the uh, this is the 
WordPress spam folder. And it, there's, you know, standard things, pay loans on, online, buy Tramadol online. I don't know what Tramadol is, but anyway. Uh, I think Frankie Boyle used some and that went badly for him. Oh, dear. Fair enough. Then there is... Um, a number of Polish people who are living very, very nice, like polite, enthusiastic and supportive, badly spelt comments on the uh, on the WordPress. Uh, one, for example, from uh, Zawiski na Perforash or something. Um, I usually do not leave a lot of responses, but I browsed a great deal of comments here. Lies. There aren't that many uh, here about slash psychomedia. I actually do have a couple of questions for you, if you do not mind. Could it be just me, or do a few of the comments look like they are written by brain-dead folks? Smiley face. And, if you are posting on additional online sites, I'd like to follow you. Could you please list, post a list of all your public pages, like your LinkedIn profile, Facebook page, and Twitter feed? Which we already there do, it, of course. <laughs> therein lies the spam. I thought that was very rude. Even though it is clearly spam, it seems a bit mean to mean although i guess statistically likely that a lot of the comments look like they're written by brain dead folks unless well, I, don't know. I think calling spam spam bots brain dead is offensive to spam bots and the brain dead although i think the brain dead <laughs> i mean i don't like the phrase brain dead i prefer the term double dead which is the <laughs> medical term it makes it sound like the double down <laughs> uh, so anyway well, i are... think if you eat the double down <laughs> There's a surprise. So the, the two primary demographics of spammers seem to be uh, the Polish and tattoo artists, um, because we have two comments from just from tattoo removal. Uh, one which says, I am sure this paragraph has touched all the Internet people. It's really, really fastidious paragraph on building up new web page. So uh, thank you for that tattoo removal. Uh, and the other one was had me genuinely thinking that maybe this wasn't a spam comment which is what turing said because right turing said the test of a true ai is if you can't tell if it's spam or a comment exactly and the problem is there is no ulterior motive here like it's just a nice comment it just says it's hard to come by well-informed people on this subject however you sound like you know what you're talking about thanks from raquel hillman at gmail.com now that sounds perfectly plausible it, it does. And maybe like, OK, Raquel Hillman, if you are listening to this and this isn't spam, can you please let us know? Because then we'll, we'll unspam you. Um, and this will also be the test of whether the spam bots have reached the singularity. If they can then listen to this podcast, identify that and reply. That would be quite clever. Um, the final piece of spam was uh, from TPB, who or whatever that is, and says... The royal family and other persons which have been have declared loyalty to Sealand have occupied Sealand ever since. Control use of programs includes instant messenger and peer-to-peer -peer download programs like LimeWire or even the now defunct Pirate Bay. It makes no difference how many lawsuits the big conglomerates file. In case you happen to be conducting a do some searching online for Maxwell House printable coupon 2013 and you've got discovered the proper web page. Uh, so is that about... The micronation of Sealand, torrenting and coffee. I think so. I think like it because you know those are all my interests. It's vaguely I'm poetic, quite distressed isn't it? by Kickass Torrents being blocked. How am I supposed <laughs> to watch Community and thus contribute to its death? From the nation island of Sealand. <laughs> the nation island. The island nation. I don't know. It's weird, isn't anyway. it? That is, I, I, do, I, I do have some feedback from a real human being. Although, as I was pointing out to my you, brother... Do you really? To, well, I've never met I've never met Maxi in real life, despite the fact that he is a friend of mine. But I've spoken to him. the most advanced spam bots you know. Well, this is the thing. Is I watched the first episode of Series 2 of Black Mirror this week. And ah. so maybe, maybe he was s s someone that was once my husband and then died. <laughs> um, but, yeah, he's been... your podcast, it seems, seems feasible. Oh, 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 he's coming back from New Zealand. That, we might I'm actually sorry. do a second series I, of our podcast. So I'm, no, you've got to think about what you say. I'm sorry, Tim. Sorry, that was mean. I have never listened to your podcast. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you listened to my podcast with uh, Stace because you've never heard the phrase amazeballs before. That's true. Exactly. I have listened to some of your stuff. I just don't like to tell you that I've listened to some of your stuff. <laughs> because it will feed my ego. Get your ego out the door. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, uh, so, yeah. What is the 
Maxi has been catching up on our show by using the archive.org page because he is traveling back from New Zealand in stages, including Singapore, I believe. And it turns out trying to use iTunes or WordPress on that sort of airport internet is bad. But archive.org works. So he's actually managed to catch up with the, the last few shows. Brilliant. Which is great because he is a valued listener and he wrote probably our best iTunes review. And if you want to beat him, then go and check it out and then try and beat him. But anyone who says makes a Sisyphean task worth doing, you know, that's tough to beat. Because <laughs> I think we've got to separate the categories. You know, Charles definitely won the best comment. Um, but I think Maxi has the best review thus far. But yeah, everything to play for. Everything <laughs> to play for. So, Ben, what have you done this week? because I have done nothing of interest. What this oh, section highlights every week is that I do the same thing every week. And uh, does that mean it. I get two? <laughs> okay, then. But well, they better be good. Well, but I you've wasn't... got to choose which one you're going to donate to me, basically. Okay, well, you can have the, the scotoma and the migraine, then. <laughs> oh, oh! I wanted the baby shower! <laughs> um, so, uh, I did... I wasn't there is an actual baby things. shower, listeners. I didn't yeah, just make is. that up. Uh, yeah, uh, who'd have thunk My it? My non-existent Think... girlfriend is not non-existently pregnant. Given those involved. Okay, so the fun thing that I did this week was uh, went to... I won't exactly call it a baby shower because the baby is still quite a long way away. Um, and I feel like a, a baby, baby, showers should, baby showers should have less alcohol and mm, soft and hard drugs. Um, <laughs> but it was a very fun party. <laughs> Um, there should be less felonies yeah well uh, with that family that's probably a bit of a stretch uh, I went to a very fun party of, of some friends of mine who are going to be having a baby the Facebook page for the event had as its picture the ultrasound scan of the baby with a speech bubble on that said get crisps <laughs> which was brilliant um, and that it was a the basis of a whole webcomic it was a very fun ultrasound comics. It was really good, uh, but the best part of it was definitely the uh, suggestions that continued throughout the evening as to names for this child. Um, the, the I, I guess it is kind of divulging person. Yeah, I probably won't say the surname. Let's call them the Smiths. Uh, yes, Adrastos Smith. No, actually, no. Let's call them the Berlusconis. That's more. <laughs> so. <laughs> My friend. Well, we call them the Borgias. The Borgias makes a lot more sense. Ben. <laughs> uh, my uh, my friend, the uh, the Berlusconi. Several of the names that were mooted uh, were Skeletor Berlusconi, because <laughs> uh, because one of the brothers thinks that the ultrasound looks like Skeletor. Uh, the current favourite is Imperium Drive Berlusconi. <laughs> uh, is that a thing? It was named after the like the two things that one of their friends saw first when it was divulged to him that there was going to be a baby okay uh, so sort of like a native american name but not yeah there was a book called imperium and the film drive uh to be one fair, of the... i would i would definitely read a fan fiction mashup of imperium and drive yes just like cicero going around assassinating people uh, in complete silence <laughs> yeah so uh the cicero silent impossible that's against the canon uh there was um the, probably the most popular one over the course of the evening in terms of kind of the physical responses it was it got was uh, Gemi a beer Berlusconi, uh, which would probably be the most... It's an appropriate name for the child, given that's likely to be the thing that shouted at it the most. Uh, so, yeah, it was a good party. There were many more names, and many of them were much funnier than those, but I've completely forgotten all of them because it was quite a heavy evening. Uh so, yeah. And then the other thing that happened this week was last night I got a really bad migraine and two massive scotomas on my eyes and couldn't see things properly. For Scotomata. Uh, so that was fun. <laughs> um, yeah, like that's a neurological symptom. Are you yeah, going to kind of I'm... die of something that we studied, Ben? <laughs> <laughs> Quite possibly. So uh, I think it does seem to be entirely caused by like staring at my computer screen, which is sad for me. Um, so are you podcasting with your eyes closed this week? No, I'm podcasting with my glasses on because it does... 
I, like I didn't think that I needed them for you know close range stuff, but my eyesight has been deteriorating massively um, over the past couple of months. So what I should probably do oh. is go back, go back to the uh, opticians. I would help. recommend that. Yes, that is Possibly that is definitely to your doctors that. as well. <laughs> so, you know, uh, I I don't want you to be blind, Ben, because that would you know make the podcast more difficult. Then I could get a bionic eye. Z- Yes, I suppose that's true. I don't know how good that is for reading journal articles. Uh, yes, but it's it's better for like lasering people. Well, that's true. If you want to be psych, that's fine because no one else does. <laughs> Burn. Okay, so yeah, that's uh, that's what I did this week. What is your uh, what is your media of the week? Um. So my media of the week. It isn't technically out yet, but you can listen to the two songs on this EP, um, so that counts, and this, the video is being publicised already. So yes, the Mozart's House EP. So, Wikipedia defines a hipster as aficionados of jazz, in particular bebop, which became popular in the early 1940s. The hipster adopted the lifestyle of the jazz musician, including some or all of the following. Dress, slang, use of cannabis and other drugs, relaxed attitude, sarcastic humour, self-imposed poverty and relaxed sexual codes i like that a culture built around being poor relaxed and sarcastic because <laughs> i can manage two of those and sexy. anyway i know that's actually the definition of the hipster or hepcat from the 1940s one day hipster a subculture of young recently settled urban middle-class adults and older Settle. teenagers that appeared in the 1990s associated with independent music a varied non-mainstream fashion sensibility liberal citation needed or independent political views alternative spirituality or atheism agnosticism and alternative lifestyles but i don't use the word hipster to mean any of those things i refer to the t- two key elements liking bad things ironically or liking good things but only before anyone else or before they were popular so when it comes to clean bandit whom i've mentioned before in the context of live performance i am keen to point out that i liked them before they were on radio one in the middle of the night and i liked them before they were on radio one in the daytime and that is all yeah they are finally releasing their original slong slong video they're releasing their slong video brilliant i think paris hilton (laughs) did that too yeah the, yeah they're releasing the original song slash video as an ep including its intriguing video um and the b-side to this um, along with some remixes of mozart's house the lead track uh is uk shanty the video for which features my nemesis lily cole but the music which is the important bit combines a string quartet with an electronic duo and guest singers uh, Mozart's House features a single, uh, if you will, taken from a Mozart string quartet that's really addictive and combines really well. Um, but it's not a sample. It's played live by a string quartet. Anyway, I, I actually wrote a poem about this song that the um, leader of the band uh, actually liked. And that's how much I like this song. Go and listen to it because it is impossible to describe. And if you use the word fusion to describe the band, they don't like it. Ah, I mean, um, Coherent. I, I that, do they do they like it if you use the word fusion? uh shut up <laughs> i think is what they say okay that seems likely brilliant well that sounds fun i shall listen to it what about you ben because apparently you were waiting for me to like cue you in or something yes it's the it's the it's the snap back and forth that really makes this uh, podcast what is it that someone once said it was thing. like consistently produces witty banter they seem to have a really good like I can't remember what it was. I was going to say rationale, but that's not it. Command of the English language. No, rapport, but they might be faking it. And I really liked that comment that suggested that we may secretly hate each other, but somehow we produce good podcast. Yeah, yeah, we do. We give good podcast. We certainly Uh, do. I didn't have a media of the week up until a few minutes ago when Tim and I got into a discussion about how the podcast is just an extension of Tim's ego, like a sort of mutated extra limb, at which point he asked, what does that make you? And to my mind, that makes me a mutated extra limb on the mutated extra limb that is Tim's, the, the podcast to the sh- shambling mutated monstrosity of Tim's ego, which led me to an adorable webcomic about a girl and her cat. Uh, it's www.exocomics.com. Uh, I think the comic is called Extraordinary. And it reminded me of a comic in which uh, to describe webcomics, because that is obviously the best way to... Uh, so I've just described a song without, you know, yeah. really any detail. So I think I think this is fair enough. 
we should do a spin-off I, uh, this is not an original idea i think it's a from giant bomb originally but we should do a podcast where we just describe web comics <laughs> i quite like describing sitcoms or stand-up routines without using any of the material from it or any humor so this is uh, oh a girl leaning, uh, girl leaning on a cardboard box that's been drawn to look like a, a car with a small cat leaning on it wearing a set of overalls uh, and she's saying uh, she's asking whether uh, the cat is going to be able to fix the cardboard car in time because it's just him at which point the cat brings out a small hand puppet version of itself and the girl asks whether that will be enough at which point the small hand puppet version brings out an even smaller hand puppet version so uh comic ruined anyway that's Yeah, I think the double hit is more, um, you know, the. <laughs> I think we're breaking things, Ben. I think we should stop. <laughs> that is the sound of just crashed while driving. That is the sound of two Leonardo DiCaprios rutting in the mating season. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I know you have to keep making them because they keep dying in a lot of films, but. <laughs> Every uh, time you watch Titanic, a Leonardo DiCaprio dies. Uh, it's just like two skyscrapers fighting like giraffes fight. <laughs> that would have made The Hobbit better if it was set in like present day Vancouver for the mountainy bit. Right. Yeah. But anyway. Right. OK. <laughs> Psychology. Is nice. It is a nice comic. Um, you, pulled, can... you pulled the shoot. I can seamlessly transition from what is not going to be. I find that unlikely. (laughs) So, uh, so we uh, had some feedback. Oh yeah, we had some feedback. Some of it was on Twitter to you, and some other things that have been said on Twitter to you were by a guy called Dean Burnett, who does science writing for the Guardian. And the thing that that comic was shared by some of our psychology friends on Facebook and uh, one of Dean Burnett's blogs was shared by another one of our psychology friends on Facebook this week. Oh, it's amazing. Also, I tried to get him on the show, but failed due to laziness. (laughs) The best way of failing. Anyway, uh, the thing that Dean Burnett was badgering you about or uh, sort of responding to your badgering about on Twitter. I was going to say, yeah, I think I started it. I think I invaded Poland. It was an article he wrote on the Myers-Briggs personality test. And in, because we always forget to tell people about this at the top of the show, this week's episode is about p- personality. And yes, we are aware that we've done this before, but we're revisiting it. And the motivation... There, there, is, there is more than four studies on personality, it turns out. <laughs> Who knew? So my motivation to revisit this was to have a look at the Myers-Briggs test, find out if it's as bad as I think it is, it is, uh, and kind of maybe explore a bit why it's so commonly used outside of psychology despite the fact that no basically no one in psychology thinks it's any good and so i started looking into this and there was some kind of interesting things came out of it so for those of you that don't know the myers-briggs test was invented in the 1940s by two uh, women isabel briggs myers and her mother Catherine briggs it was based on everyone's second favourite psychiatrist, Carl Davis Young. She's called Briggs Myers, and yet it's called the Myers Briggs test. Yes, yeah, she's so it's a, a, a woman and her mother. Mo- the mother is Catherine Briggs, the daughter is Isabel Briggs Myers, presumably because she's she was Isabel Briggs and now she's married to Mr. Myers and became Isabel Briggs Myers. But because the two of them made it together, she only took her surname, so added that to Catherine Briggs to give the Myers Briggs as opposed to the Briggs Myers Briggs, which had been confusing. No, but she could have called it just the Briggs Myers. But but then would that have been too purely her? Her but, mother wouldn't yeah. have minded, right? Well, it's confusing. Well, I suppose it depends on what her, her type indicator was. If it was the Briggs Myers, exactly. If it was the Briggs if Myers, it was an it ENFP, could be mistaken then. for just being written by Isabel. But in order to ensure that people knew that it was written by Catherine as well, then anyway. That. I suppose this is why people object to my idea that everyone should have double-barreled surnames. <laughs> my... Uh, dental receptionist back in Essex Claire Flock offered would probably definitely agree with you on that <laughs> you don't have to say oh, wait, no, her parents probably I was like she don't have to agree to <laughs> that's, that's pretty good would it be would it be Sorry, bad I... if it linked the uh, the like um, 
like the team webpage from that particular dental practice on the show notes. <laughs> just so that I'm going to say that counts as stalking. That's, that's and one, then I'm going to do it and blame you. That's one step too far. Claire Fluckofford was always an excellent receptionist and you should be nothing but nice to her. Anyway, you should all go and sign up to that dental surgery despite not living in Essex. Silly name. Okay, so based on Jung and his book Psychological Types... Uh, and Myers and Briggs or Briggs Myers and Briggs were essentially union fangirls and sort of doing the same thing that people who make what Harry Potter house are you in quizzes on Facebook were doing. Uh, And they came up with these various different, these uh, 16 different categories that, uh, that you can fall into based on these four dichotomies, which were introvert, extrovert, intuitive, uh, what was it? I really should intuitive sensing, thinking, knowing, and judging, and oh, thinking, feeling something. Thinking, feeling, judging, knowing. Anyway, and there judging, were like, dichotomies. It's all on Wikipedia. What you can probably tell from this is that I abandoned my prep for this about halfway through because it was, well, boring me, and because the article that Dean Burnett was referring to on his Twitter page basically does it all better. Okay. Uh, so I would recommend if you're interested in the Myers-Briggs and why it's a bit dodgy, you should go and read Dean's article. We will link it. Uh, it's very good. He raises the, th- the thing that I didn't know about the Myers-Briggs, which I did find quite interesting, is basically the reasons that I think we may have mentioned before for why I, I thought people didn't like it was because it's unreliable and it's doesn't it's not very predictive and all that kind of thing it's not um, based on any empirical research not based on anything really scientifically solid but what it turns out to be is that the major problem with it is because it's based on these dichotomous answers you you the the true version of the Myers-Briggs you will answer yes or no to a number of questions um and it will give you one of these like uh, lettered labels. So, for example, I did the test and it gave me INTJ, which is introspective oh. thinking, judging. Although, it within that on the website that I did it, and we will give you a link in case you want to do it. It gave me sixty-seven percent introvert, sixty-two percent intuitive, one percent thinking, and fifty-six percent judging. And these are um, kind of magnitude scores. So, what one percent thinking tells you is that I am really not thinking at all i'm halfway between thinking and feeling yeah which essentially uh, you'd be both but you're not allowed to be both you're not allowed to be both because the the questionnaire is is ought to so the statistical angle on this is that if you if this questionnaire were accurate and everyone was either introvert or extrovert either thinking or feeling then if you plotted all of their the entire population's responses on a graph you would get what's called a binomial distribution, which is like two peaks for each of the different dichotomies because you would expect roughly half the population to fall into one and half in the other. The problem is if you do plot the data from a Myers-Briggs test, you don't get a binomial distribution. You get a normal distribution, which is what you expect from continuous variables like height or personality. Um, yeah. So this is like... So, the major yeah, I wonder if someone like spun this off and made it a continuum... Would it I think be more predictive? Basically, that is what people now do with it. So, okay, this is why this test gives you a like sixty-seven percent introvert score, which is a good thing. Like that allows you to make more, gives you more information about what the test is telling you. So it is more useful to do that. But whether it's more useful than say the Big Five is highly debatable, given that, like. M- so a, a problem I have with this one is that the other than introvert extrovert, which crops up in basically every personality inventory there is, the other three seem pretty ill-defined in terms of the differences between each other. And if you factor analyze data using Myers Briggs questions, you don't always get four factors coming out. Dun, like dun, this. Dun. I know sometimes you get six, sometimes you get four. Some who knows. Um, so yeah, it's it's a bit fluffy, really. Uh, yeah, no, the, sorry, uh, I'm just uh, looking up stuff on INTJ, because that's what you are, and INTP, which is what I am, uh, relationships. I do always get INTP. I've done this test a number of times because I think it's just a bit more interesting, even if it means nothing. Yeah. That's, so, I think, what it has going for it, is that you're just like, oh, I'm agreeable and not very conscientious and open and neurotic and introverted. I knew that. 
so one of the things about it is a uh, it isn't telling you how you behave Sp- pre- supposedly it's not telling you how you behave it's telling you what you prefer so okay. it's saying that you prefer certain situations associated with introver- introversion as opposed to you preferring situations uh, associated with extroversion it doesn't mean that you are completely introverted or you are completely extroverted it means you you know anyway so that's one dimension of it um and it also on the 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 kind of the myers-briggs foundation website they they're very keen to suggest that it shouldn't be used for de- determining career prospects or anything like this despite the fact that it is primarily what it's used for um in sort of business situations like aptitude for certain jobs anyway yeah uh as i said done better by dean in his article so go read that and that's why yeah, i was sure. going to talk about the minds briggs this week okay yeah but that's good okay so shall i talk about some real personality yeah let's do that okay so the most real real personality um is Isaac. I think everyone agrees that Isaac at least found two personality factors that are always going to be personality factors no matter what. And uh, those were extroversion and neuroticism. But once you get and past why that, are they the most common ones? Because they are biologically grounded. Hooray! Supposedly biologically <laughs> grounded. But I'm going to talk about hey. some evidence for that uh, that definitely does support the idea of um, it being biologically grounded. But not like as a hundred percent one-to-one mapping. So, no. um, Isink's personality characters, as I say, they're most successfully repeatedly found. You do any sort of factor analysis of personality or lexical analysis, whatever you come up with factors that are extroversion and neuroticism. Um, so Isink reckoned that the reason that introverts wanted less social stimulation and usually less other stimulation is that their level of arousal was already higher. And so from this, one could predict that things that increase arousal in a more measurable way than social contact would affect introverts and extroverts differently. Things like coffee, uh, mm-hmm. things like the sweet thrill of tax evasion, uh, things like <laughs> the beautiful sense that, of knowing that you don't have to leave your room all day and get to do a podcast with someone sufficiently similar to you that the social effort required is minimal. That's, uh, that's a very sweet sentiment, Tim. I'm not sure I'd, I'd describe... Uh, interactions are socially effortless but <laughs> oh they are for me <laughs> I well, choose not ex- to put in any effort I have low exactly. conscientiousness <laughs> no you are you are an entirely effortless person to be around Tim isn't that sweet <laughs> it's great isn't it so one way of measuring arousal is skin conductance so I can duck- <laughs> I think the internet has crept your bad internet has crept its way into your broker's area <laughs> I apologise, listeners. I'm supposed to be an an oral entertainer. So, <laughs> skin conductance is one way of measuring arousal. Greater arousal means more sweat. More sweat means more conductivity. So, a range of results, supportive and otherwise, had been found on skin conductance between extro- extroverts and introverts, suggesting maybe it's other factors that control it. Isaac predicts that the more caffeine an extrovert has, the more introverted they will act. Um, and maybe he'd say the same for cocaine. It does seem quite counterintuitive. But since Isaac, it's been suggested that there's a ceiling ex- effect. When you give a child an espresso, they float up to the ceiling. That's helium. The ceiling effect suggests that introverts just can't get any more aroused. Ladies. Um to mitigate the creepiness of that last word, I do refer you to the <laughs> Dimitri Martin routine that I'm referencing. Um any sentence can be made creepier by adding the word ladies, pronounced in that very specific way on the end. I'll put the video on the show notes. I miss Dimitri Martin. He's not dead, it's just he doesn't have a show on Comedy Central anymore. Now, under placebo conditions, the introvert should have higher arousal. And this, I am told, applies to the phasic levels and the tonic levels. The phasic levels are like waves. If you give an introvert gin and tonic, then they tend to get less aroused. Yes, there totally wasn't going to be a gin and tonic joke in my later thing. We'll come back to that. Tonic Oops, level is the post every is time. The, <laughs> is the base level. Um, you know, it's the 
just resting level. Um, phasic level actually is the response to a stimulus. So it is where it kind of peaks in a wave, but it's the extent to which it changes from the tonic base level. Um, but they do later on in the study refer to them as level and response. And that would have been easier for all of us readers who don't know or care what tonic and phasic are. So they figured out it was important to break extroversion down into the subfactors of impulsivity and sociability because impulsivity has already been shown to be a better predictor of the impacts of extroversion on some ta tasks, almost as if extroversion is not as helpful a super factor uh, as just taking impulsivity alone. So. They got some psychology students in. They excluded any whose arousal systems would have been messed up by drugs or overreaction to caffeine. Of course, the irony of this is that I tend to overreact only when I haven't had enough caffeine. They gave them the Isaac personality test, having been told not to have any caffeine. And I'd actually be interested in another study that looked at the influence on caffeine on the results of that test. Because I suspect they're not invariant. Um, but I haven't been bothered to look it up. Uh, they then dose them up with a caffeine tablet or a placebo. Of course, in the modern day of students, uh, all students are hocked up on Pro Plus, so they would know what a caffeine tablet tastes like. But back in the day, they were oblivious, probably. Uh, so they let the caffeine take effect for 45 minutes. It usually takes about half an hour for caffeine to take effect, but they wanted to be absolutely sure. But before all the come down, you know, so 45 minutes, a good amount of time to wait. And they recorded skin conductance from both hands while playing some stimulus tones and then surveyed their current and habitual caffeine use. And I always find it weird when they describe normal behavior in this way. I don't use caffeine. I drink coffee mostly. You know, I like coffee mostly. <laughs> it's only when I'm really tired that it suddenly becomes a matter of I need to use some caffeine. Hmm. Anyway, getting rid of confounds, the caffeine use did not differ based on extroversion or condition. So they ignored habitual and current caffeine use. The tonic or base level arousal was increased by caffeine. Uh, so then they determined groups of high and low impulsivity, but also obviously extroverts and introverts by a median split. And extroverts showed a greater increase because of caffeine than introverts. Introverts increased, but only a little bit. But if you broke it down, this was driven by the impulsiveness scores. The sociability scores didn't differ in terms of caffeine. So the phasic results were based on how much the skin conductance increased to a stimulus tone from the base level in the tonic bit and so in the results as i say they use level and response which again uh you know what even is a gin and phasic that was the joke that i was going to make and then i was going to say it was the new single from the dynamic modifiers which is a callback and everyone loves callbacks but you ruined it i'm gonna cry i may need some caffeine to calm me down um so yeah <laughs> the response was higher <laughs> in the caffeine condition at least for one of the four stimuli. And they don't really break down what the differences between the stimuli are, but it certainly had some effect. Uh, also, caffeine increased the response recorded in the right hand more than the left hand. Uh, but they argue that this should be replicated before it's interpreted uh, because there were no other laterality effects. That is a good dodge. It's like, well, we've got mm. this weird result, uh, but there's only one weird result, so we're just going to ignore it completely. Yeah, not I'm unreasonable. Sure most psychologists would have made something up based on hemispheric dominance. Not these guys. Hooray! No, most most psychologists would have not reported it. So <laughs> yes. good on them for reporting okay. it. Yes. Saying, I don't know what this is, guys. 90% would have not mentioned it. 9% would have made something up based on hemispheric dominance. <laughs> these are the 1%. And they own all of the honest science. <laughs> Occupy MIT. Um, so... Um, there, yeah. Um, sorry, I've just got a whole bit about uh, accidentally mistyping Doge instead of Dodge here, <laughs> but because that doesn't flow. You see, I'm I'm very I'm in a very Stuart Lee mood today. <laughs> I'm just going to talk about the things that I would have said because that's more funny than trying to make <laughs> well, things work. I'll try and come that's up what with we've jokes. Been doing already. I'm okay, I'll tell you. I'll talk about Myers Briggs, but now I'm not. Well, I, I was going to say, I thought about doing for my things I've done this week. A friend challenged me to make a um, some Palm Sunday puns. Um, I came up I came up with two Palm Sunday puns um, and I'm dropping them in here to kind of save myself, essentially, from what is rapidly spinning out of my control and conscious understanding is. Um, so the first one is um, how do you break two Jewish laws at once? I don't know. How do you break two Jewish laws at once? Parma ham. 
stealing, breaking kosher. Well done. Also, um, what do you do if the tragic Mrs. Karenina tries to self-immolate? Uh, I don't know. What do you do if the uh, tragic Mrs. Karenina tries to self-immolate? Hosanna! <laughs> Not bad, eh? Not bad. <laughs> what do you shout to the tragic Mrs. Karenina when you want her to bring in the prostitutes? Yeah. Yeah, most of my original Hosanna jokes did start with hose. And that's why I changed it to Hosanna. I just made it about... What do you shout to the tragic Mrs. Karenina when you want her to bring in the gardening implements? (laughs) (laughs) That would have made the film of Kira Knightley and better, I guess. (laughs) I don't know. It has Olivia Williams and Ruth Wilson in, so I was happy. Anyway... uh, floor effects would suggest that that were the case (laughs) it might be good i haven't seen it um right let's go back to some science there was a joke about the doges we skipped it extroverts showed a larger response in the caffeine condition whereas introverts did in the placebo condition because not only are they highly strung at the tonic level they're also more easily stimulated they show a larger response except when caffeine is changing it so, to summarise on that bit, introverts are more stimulated and more easily stimulated. So, based on impulsiveness, at a couple of the stimuli, low impulsives had a higher response, and that's to be expected. But caffeine led low impulsives to have a higher response at one point, which I think is against the hypothesis. But as the rest are all in line, it then disappears, and maybe I didn't understand it. So, the key points are... Caffeine increases arousal, but not especially so in introverts, only extroverts. And this is driven by the subfactor of impulsivity. They recommend future research using a big pool filled with coffee. Um, <laughs> using a big pool and thus looking at extreme introverts and extroverts. But it's very hard to recruit extreme introverts. Um, they've got to uh, get some, you know, results. But they've already got some that have backed up this idea that stimulation is key in high and low impulsivity at the physical level and thus may be a major factor a major major factor now uh, made in daggly northern in extroversion versus introversion (laughs) (laughs) and that is that for coffee so so ben what did you actually do for science this week how did oh, you sell that? I was uh, I was meant to prepare some psychology, was I? Oh dear. Uh, <sighs> anyway, actually no. Last just... week you don't even turn up, and this <laughs> week I haven't done any prep. Should I had you. a I had a potentially life threatening neurological condition. Oh, just I... something that you happen to understand because of your research, <laughs> but then you use it as an excuse for your poor behaviour. If I was going to use my research as an excuse, it would be because I'd been the victim of a hate crime. You know that well. Victim or perpetrator? I'm Ginger Tim. I'm only ever the victim. Anyway. (laughs) I still have an article saved in my Twitter favourites that are... uh, Redhead, my sperm are as good as yours. (laughs) It was by that guy. Oh, what is he? called i can't remember he's a male redhead he's a famous nerd of some sort and apparently um sperm banks were stopping asking for donations from redheaded men because uh the demand was at a floor level yeah not like that <laughs> ben psychology save yes. me so um i i was wondering if there might be some uh external signs of personality um and uh turns out there are so we all we all kind of know Hooray. that first impressions matter. Uh, I remember way way way, I... way way back when uh, when I came to Oxford the first time at interview, I walked into the JCR and the first person I saw was this slightly nerdy looking chap with strange hair. I introduced myself and within seconds I was convinced that I'd found a comrade spirit. You know, we hung out through the whole of the interview pro- process, and as I left Oxford to await my results. I was sure I'd found a friend for life. Unfortunately, that guy didn't get in, so I ended up hanging out with Tim quite a lot. Uh, true story. Yeah, just... yeah, I'm trying to think that. Right, so can I reveal this, this embarrassing secret? We met, I met all of the psychologists who did get in. Um, unfortunately, I don't really remember meeting Mira. <laughs> I think I, I have confessed this to her. This isn't going to be new. 
Well, she is. She, she remembers me, and quiet. I don't remember her. She is the quietest of us, at least that's initially, true. and when not hocked up on exam insanity. Well, that's true. Whereas Nikki kind of just jumped into a conversation I was having in <laughs> hall with strident opinions, but agreeing with me, and the only person who had agreed with me about the thing I was saying. So that's why I remembered her because she was basically backing up my ego. Mm-hmm. We were, you know, we, we fed a codependent sort of thing going on there. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. And now she's getting married. How does that make you feel? It makes me feel absolutely fine because I'm emotionally <laughs> mature and all the <laughs> oh. okay, It's well, funny I... because she doesn't listen to the show. That's... It's also funny because I genuinely am fine, but it's funny to pretend that I'm not. That's the only reason it's funny. <laughs> anyway, the question is, our first impression... Tragedy isn't funny, Ben, right? Oh, the other day, can I just, I don't want to interrupt again, but I'm going to. The other day I was bored, so I was doing algebra on the, um, the uh, <laughs> thing of comedy equals tragedy plus time. Because, yeah. And I was trying to work out what that time equaled <laughs> and then what space time must therefore also equal. So uh, that, comedy that... equals tragedy plus time. So if you take off tragedy, comedy minus tragedy equals time. So time is just like the purest joy existence. <laughs> um, True story. It's just puns, basically, because that's comedy that doesn't rely on personal tragedy. Okay. Everyone <laughs> the knows anti- that... Frankie Boyle. Actually, that, that original statement is a misquote. Uh, it was originally comedy equals tragedy plus Tim. <laughs> And hence my jokes about uh, someone who is getting married. Ben. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) That's a tragedy. Yeah. Brilliant. You should really read the best man speech. Anyway. um, (laughs) I was going to say that there's there's a missing variable in that equation. Comedy equals tragedy plus Mustela Day. But but let's let's not give specific examples, shall we? Because that's going to be upsetting. Anyway. As I was saying, the question is, are first impressions actually accurate? You would kind of hope so, uh, given that that's the way our brain seems to be wired up, you know, in a way that we basically base our entire judgment of someone's character in about 12 seconds of initial interaction. I mean, you kind of look at the evolutionary perspective. You picture the scene, you meet a stranger in the forest for the first time and you look him up and down, you perform a lightning fast reading of his most salient social cues. And in doing so, you come to the conclusion that he's friendly, approachable and trustworthy. Then the stranger roars, rears up on his hind legs and proceeds to maul you about the head and torso with his giant hairy paws because he's a bear. That's not an evolutionary adaptive system of personality estimation. However, if you were able to tell that the stranger is temperamental, violent and enjoys long naps and mauling the unwary, then you're in an excellent position because you can offer him the role of CEO in your newly formed flint napping consortium. And that is how personality is useful. So to find out whether first impressions are actually any good, we, of course, turn to science and a study by uh, Norman et al. Not spelt how you think it would be. Uh, which asked participants to rate people's personalities based on nothing more than a full body photo. Uh, half the photos clothed? were standard. Clothed, yes, yes. Clothed in the same clothes? No. Um, okay. The participants suppose... in the photos didn't know that they were going to be photographed when they came in, so they would be sort of expressing themselves in the most naturalistic way possible, you would assume. Ooh. And, you know, social cues are most definitely contained within clothes, as we shall find out in some more detail later. Um, I wear so many pastel colours, I'm surprised they even have a personality. Although it's, uh, it, that's, it's a debatable point. Uh, half... <laughs> Man, there's a lot to cry about for me listening back to this episode, isn't there, Ben? Am I going to get through the editing without having a breakdown? <laughs> I'm certainly uh, not getting through the episode. I'm very sorry. That was uncalled for and untrue. Sure if anything, you have almost too calm. much personality, Tim. <laughs> yeah, it needs to be calmed down a little. Uh, so... Well, it's interesting, actually, though, because they they standardized. They took two photos for each person. They took a standardized one where they got them to stand in a standard pose with, you know, hands by the sides, feet shoulder length, shoulder width apart, not smiling. And then they got them to just freely pose. Actually, they did the free pose first where they could stand however they wanted and they could smile if they liked and that sort of thing. Um so it's interesting that presumably the idea being that the, the free pose 
conveys more of the kinds of social cues that we pick up on. But given that the standardized pose still includes things like clothing and appearance, you know, it, it's a continuum rather than here are all the social cues and here aren't any. Anyway, sure. they found when they got uh, other, an, a second group of participants to rate these photos on various personality measures, including those from the Big Five and several others, uh, that the only really reliably judged personality trait was, any guesses? Neuroticism. No, extroversion. Oh, uh, come on. It was a one in two chance. It was, uh, despite being a statistically a one in five chance. It was really only a one in two I chance. I think we all knew that <laughs> it was not as simple as you roll a D5. It is agreeableness. Don't be ridiculous, Tim. There's no such thing as a D5. Actually, there, there is in my brain. There is, and I own one. Um, they're very Presumably odd. it's a D10 double numbered, right? No, actually, I can I can look in my little bag. So that's what a D3 is. Do I have any of my D5s with me? Possibly not. I do have a bag containing very peculiar dice somewhere that I got free when I bought dice off the internet. Including Did you ever D- wonder why one of our listeners thought that I was like James McAvoy in terms of my suaveness? Because I don't feel like that's the image we project. <laughs> Did you see the picture of... Did you see the show notes this last week? Uh, yes, and it was brilliant. Paul Bettany. I know. I, I, wa- I don't know why. <laughs> presumably it was from master and commander wasn't it oh, oh right i assumed it was from knight's tale oh uh, it's definitely not from knight's tale i think it's either master and commander or um creation it might be creation because he didn't have blonde hair in master and commander i thought he had ah, it possibly yeah. anyway sorry uh, anyway so the uh, the only reliably judged personality trait was extroversion, and it was there were more statistically accurate traits for the uh, naturally posed pictures than for the uh, standard poses. Um, to the extent that in the in the natural poses, that people were also able to re- reasonably accurately judge how open someone was, uh, personality wise, not physically, obviously. Uh, yes, obscure band t-shirts that would be <laughs> what i would be looking for uh likability their likability and uh, their self-esteem actually with reasonable accuracy um okay uh, the ac- accuracy incidentally was based I on do, a- i do like these sort of studies yeah they're great and i've got lots of them for you so there we go the the accuracy was based on both self ratings and informer ratings which is the standard procedure in this kind of personality experiment you get a bunch of people's friends to tell you what they think of the person yeah absolutely um they also this thing i think is really good they got independent raters to identify that to go through and identify all the social cues in the photographs to see what might be driving the participants' personality judgments. Uh, so these were, oh, it got them to code things like whether the person looked stylish, neat, whether they were smiling, whether they had their arms folded, uh, whether they were healthy or sickly looking, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. whether they were tense, that kind of thing. Um, and then they could work out statistically which were the valid cues, i.e. basically which cues correlated with genuine personality, actual personality, and which cues were being used by the observers, I which cues correlated with observer ratings, and then, you know, whether they matched up, which is a really interesting analysis. So uh, the most valid cues overall, those that predicted the most about personality, were whether you were had an energetic stance, uh, whether you looked stylish, and whether you looked healthy, apparently. Interesting. Uh, for the observers, there was some accurate cue usage. So people do derive some useful information from appearances. For example, um, people tended to judge healthy and stylish looking people as more extroverted, which was accurate. Um, people who looked relaxed as being more agreeable, for example. But there were also some mistakes. They tend- There were some misattributions. So, for example, people tended to judge neater people as more conscientious uh, which wasn't the case. Neat people tended, uh, conscientious people tend to dress more distinctively rather than specifically neatly. Huh. Uh, they also tended to think that smiling people were more emotionally stable, uh, which I think very much depends on the particular style, uh, yeah. smart question. <laughs> I agree. How many, how many teeth are you showing and are the eyes dead inside? <laughs> 
Um, so there are a couple of lovely sentences from this section of the results. Uh, one is, uh, in, I quote, none of the appearance-based cues we coded were valid indicators of the target's liberal political orientation, which they tested quite coolly. In spite of this, observers' judgments correlated with appearance-based cues such as targets' distinctive, neat, and unhealthy appearance. So observers think that liberals are distinctive-looking, neat, and unhealthy. Okay. Uh, they, act they actually aren't. Whereas uh, I would say that that would mark out conservatives, or at least uh, John Burner in the USA. <laughs> He's um, distinctive, but not healthy-looking. My, my favourite uh, sentence was, the loneliest target stood out in uh, stood in less energetic and more tense ways and appeared more sickly, messy, and unstylish. So there we go. Isn't that encouraging for the lonely people? Finally, yeah, exactly. There was a, there was a slight effect of gender, which I thought was quite interesting. Specifically, the conscientiousness of males was more accurately judged than females, hmm. uh, and this seemed to be driven by the fact that although there were several valid and accurately utilized cues for male conscientiousness, so healthy and neat appearance, predicted conscientiousness in men, there were no cues for female conscientiousness. It's impossible to predict, according to this data, how conscientious a woman is just by looking at her. But you can tell reasonably easily from a man. Is that because of like societal expectations leading to ceiling effects? Because I seem to remember... We did a study on clothes, and I don't remember the conclusion, but their kind of argument for why women didn't show differences and men did were like, women are expected to be nice all the time and look good, so that's why they all do, even if they don't. Could well be, like, the, maybe the variance in it isn't, isn't great now. I don't know. I, but, yeah, I thought that was interesting. Um, no. So at this point, I was going to try... I spent a while trying to shoehorn in some kind of deliberately crass gender stereotyping segue to the next study... Um, but that ended up making me feel kind of uncomfortable. So instead, I will simply state that the next study is called Shoes as a Source of First Impressions, and then we can all move on. Uh, okay, good. So there we go. That's that sorted out. Shoes as a Source of First Impressions. Um, this one is kind of honing in on a very specific aspect of appearance, but basically follows the same design as the one that we just, the study we just talked about. Uh, rather than full body photographs, they got participants to send in photographs of their shoes along with self ratings of personality and um, other other ratings of their personality and that kind of thing. Um, so and then they got observers to rate pictures of shoes for personality. That is the personality of the owners, not the shoes themselves. Uh, shoes personalities are quite interesting, actually, though, because uh, they're often social loafers. Uh, they, I can't punch you, but my inclination was to slam my fist into my microphone. But I don't want to break it because it's so shiny. They can uh, they can also be quite insulting. Uh, they, <sighs> oh, oh, I forgot there was going to be a pun run. Oh, this, uh, <laughs> I haven't psychologically prepared myself at all. <laughs> this means they uh, regularly get into spats. Uh, they can be very indecisive. Uh, flip-flopping on decisions and uh, of course they're uh, extremely prone to uh, parapraxis you know if they're freudian slippers uh, that's it's... not personality related i <laughs> demand the last one be struck from the record <laughs> no it's too good uh, actually i was testing these puns on the girlfriend earlier and uh, she tried to join in but unfortunately hers weren't any good but i didn't want to mock her since that might upset her moccasins moccasins that my obsession no, i got that i got it i'm just so overwhelmed by it uh, it might have dissuaded her from punning in the future uh I, although i Never do alone <laughs> i do hope that she doesn't have to hear this or else i have to sneak around the house for a while uh anyway uh you can i think trainer to be better <laughs> i think that's a shootable number of puns that was a bit strained uh i don't want to clog up the podcast or it'll uh, become a platform for this kind of humor uh yeah there we go i think i need someone to heal me um, <laughs> that was gonna be the last one but you stole it from me oh yes we're <laughs> even we're even i feel i stole a better joke from you than you stole from me though my favorite one is definitely moccasins <laughs> uh, yeah that's one of the really forced ones that i really approve of <laughs> like, anyway like, like my moscow zoo joke that i will <laughs> never be able to tell in a public context <laughs> Right. Well, that's that sorted out. Anyway, so 
They compared uh, self-report and informer ratings of shoe owners' personality with observer ratings and found, rather surprisingly, that shoes are a statistically significant predictor of agreeableness and attachment anxiety. Uh, (laughs) I'm intrigued. Although, apparently, when you control for the overlap between personality and other factors like gender or income, uh, the only measure that remained significant was attachment anxiety was kind of cool um okay because i was thinking like doc martins do not suggest high agreeableness no actually come to, that, type? come to that in a second so again they did the cool thing where they they got independent raters to rate the shoes for cues shoe cues um and uh kind of weirdly pretty much found that the pretty much the most widely valid predictive cue of personality i.e the the cue that was significantly associated with lots of different personality dimensions was whether the shoes were high tops or low tops. Uh, And this loaded significantly onto extroversion, agreeableness and conscientiousness. What are high tops or low tops? That's like converses as opposed to trainers or DMs as opposed to flats or something like that. You're saying a lot of words. (laughs) So I have shoes, I put them on. That's shoes, you know? Okay, shoes. so so a pair of walking boots <laughs> would be high tops. A pair of trainers is low tops. It's whether the thing covers your ankle, basically. Okay, okay. So if you would offend a Victorian by wearing them, I that th- means you have higher extroversion? Yeah, at least I think this is the case. I really, I had to Google different types of shoes for the purposes of making that pun run. So I think that's You're what You're going to get a lot of interesting suggestions in your advertising and what have you. Yeah. Anyway. Google judges you. According to this, people with high tops are less extroverted, less agreeable and less conscientious. Hipsters then, basically. Uh, I assume <laughs> if they're wearing Converse's or Doc Martens. But yeah, anyway. Uh, so uh, as before, people often missed or misinterpreted shoe cues. For example... Uh, missing the fact that people high in attachment anxiety tend to have duller shoes uh, or conversely assuming that people with attractive well-kept shoes were more conscientious when in fact they actually weren't uh, so there you <laughs> go uh, i will i'll once again end this with some quotes from the paper uh, in their final paragraph the authors ask do people buy and wear shoes strategically to portray an image and can observers detect the acquired image these are fundamental questions in personality and social psychology, debatable, and they play out in many domains. Shoes are merely one attractive alternative to research. <laughs> so, yes, you heard it here first, folks. Shoes are an attractive alternative to research. Uh, if that's not a take-home message for any budding scientist out there, I don't know what is. That's, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> I can't follow it up with anything good, but I can follow it up with a thing. So... so just before you do your thing, there were two other studies, which means that we'll be able to do a third podcast on personality. Um, one which was looking at biological motion and whether you can detect personality from it, which turned out to be nowhere near as cool as it sounded. And one which was whether you can determine personality from someone's username in World of Warcraft. The conclusion you- being that you can't, but everyone thinks that they can. Okay. So there good, you go. Good summarise. Good summarise. Little tidbits there. Continue. Let us wow. draw some conclusions. Uh, Myers-Briggs is a thing, but it isn't science. Um, uh, caffeine. Caffeine affects extroverts and introverts differently because introverts are already really highly aroused, like me. If you want to tell someone's personality, look at both them and their shoes. Uh, but you probably still will only be able to tell whether they're conscientious and uh, have attachment anxiety. Not a lot else. And uh, if women... you like waffle, then tune into the next Franken podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't like waffles? Um, if you want to feedback because you are one of the fans, that's right, fans, not listeners, fans. Ego <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, with hands upon hands upon hands. Um, yeah, you can you can backfeed to us uh, at facebook.com slash psychomedia where there will be exciting things. Uh, I posted something on there earlier today, which I have now completely forgotten. So uh, that's good. Win. Uh, 
at um, Team Psychomedia on Twitter. That's a thing that Ben tweets at Team Psychomedia, not at um Team Psychomedia. But yes, you probably knew that already. Uh, you can find us. You should definitely, most definitely, if you do nothing else, you should go to the WordPress page, psychomedia.wordpress.com and look at the delectable show notes that Tim will put forward. There will be a link to uh, uh, Dean Burnett's article on the Myers-Briggs really well. test. Uh, if you actually did want to hear about that, then you can go and read that. There'll be the media of the week and a place where you can take the uh, Myers-Briggs test. Uh, yes. A picture of a shoe or something. Yeah, uh, e- email, email psychomediapodcast at gmail.com. Also, on Google+, Plus, you can find the Psychomedia community, uh, which apparently people are now using. I set it up prospectively. We've had a few comments on there, possibly more than our Facebook fan page, if you do it over time. So Come on, Facebook. You need exactly. to beat those Google Pluses. Exactly, because there's very few people on Google+, Plus, but once they get started, gosh, they keep going on and on and on. Um if only I could automatically cross-post to it, give us an API. Um, you can use the Psychomedia tag on Tumblr. That's literally all the important social medias. Shut up, Pinterest. <laughs> Until like next week. Something. Oh, yeah, you can email us. Uh, I said that. I said I, that. I wasn't listening. I was Googling Freudian slippers. Yeah, I'm guessing someone's already addressed that, but I don't think we necessarily want to have it in the show notes unless it's behind a not safe for you, work tag. You, you definitely want it in this, uh, the show notes and you don't need an NSFW tag on it. It's the cutest rendition of Sigmund Freud I've ever seen. Hooray! Um, face and a bubble nose. Until, until next week, when we will be polished and sharp as ever. <laughs> Goodbye for now. Ta-da. Right, maggots. You are the first recruits to the INTP military program. Your primary mode of living is focused internally. That is good. That means you will not be distracted by enemy ruses. You see everything in terms of how it could be improved or what it could be turned into. That's good. It means, provided you obey your sergeant majors, you can come up with good battle tactics or weapons or casus belli or the uh, casus belli is casus is Anyway, you seek clarity in everything. That's good. Your orders will be clear. Kill. Kill them all. You are absent-minded professors. Wait, what? Now, I went on that MDBI, MBTI for the workplace training, and they told me that deploying INTP would be useful in any professional environment. That proper direction of them would make them an asset by putting them in their own unit. Your feeling side is the least developed trait. That is better. We can work with that. Okay, men, fall out. Do not question what that phrase means. No, you are not getting atomic ray guns. Independent, unconventional, and original... Oh, this is why I've got to avoid those corporate psychologists. And we're out? I think you'll find it's we're out, sir! (laughs) After all, Ben, you went to that TA open day in the movie <laughs> still can't get over the how weird that is That's so odd. it's the idea of you in like the army is funny yeah i know it doesn't it doesn't fit somehow i was in the scouts which is probably the closest i've ever been to you the know, scouts a, mili- kill a militant organization they get yeah. a uniform and they obey orders but it was the sea scouts so you would have been in the navy rum sodomy and the lashes in the navy Rum. <laughs> the sodomy is very rum. <laughs> oh, I think I need a cup of tea. <laughs> to wash down the rum. I'm sure um, you can drink tea and rum. Isn't that what Russians do? It's tea and jam. Uh, uh, not Russian. No. no. But, uh, well, actually, what's rum in coffee? Is that, That's Jamaican coffee, isn't it? Probably. I bet no Jamaican drinks it, though. It's like Irish coffee. Have you ever heard of an Irish person drinking an Irish coffee? No. I, 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 yes. Ooh. Sort of. Interesting. <laughs> Anecdotes. What? We need to do an empirical right. study. Right, okay. That's enough of that.